0: Hello and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk Podcast. I'm Tanya. And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers
1: who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number
0: 59. Today we're talking about student and teacher resilience. We'll also share highs and lows from our teaching week, a work smarter, not harder teacher tip.
1: And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started.
0: And it is time for us to have a a new section that's not going to stay with us called Special Announcements. We just have
1: some for today. We have a
0: bit of business we want to cover. Yeah. um, All about all Music Teacher Coffee Talk related and Oak related and all kinds of things. Yes. So. First of all. First
1: of all, we want to remind everybody that we do have a new website. It is at com. So anytime we say you can find this in the show notes, that's where you can find the show notes. Yes. But there's other things on the website as well. There's a link to Tanya's TPT store, um, ways to get a hold of us, and just stuff about us on there as well, including upcoming events that we might be doing. And
0: speaking of upcoming yes. events. Yes. Uh, we will both be at the Oak Conference, that's the Organization of American Kodai Educators Conference, in Portland, Oregon, from March 5th to the 8th. Yes. And we're very excited because on Thursday, March 5th, we will be hosting the folk dance session mm-hmm. from 9 to 10 p.m. So fun. So this is a really fun um part of the conference that kind of kicks it off and well, I mean, there's there's other kickoff things, but it involves the students who are in the Oak Choir. Mm -hmm. A lot of them with their families come to this and so teachers and students they get to share this folk dancing time yeah. together, and it's Multi- a lot of fun.
1: generational folk dancing. Exactly. And for the teachers who will be there, we will have some notes for you, including, you know, resources where to find these dances. But really, the main goal of this event is just to have fun. Have fun. It's a social, social event. Social dancing, yeah. yes. And our final announcement um, is really more from me. I am excited to announce that I have been invited to be the Level 3 Pedagogy and Folk Song Analysis Teacher at the Colorado Kodai Institute this summer. And I'm just very excited to make that official announcement. Um, Tanya teaches Level 1, Amy Abbott teaches Level 2, and I will be teaching Level 3 starting this summer. And I'm so excited. And I think it's really cool that... Tanya, Amy, and I were all graduates of this program. Yes. And now we're all back
0: teaching. And now so we're all back teaching. you
1: we're all homegrown people. Exactly. So um just big shout out to my future level three students. I'm excited to work with them this summer and it's gonna be really awesome.
0: Yes, and now those dates for the Colorado Kodai Institute, in case you're interested are July 11th through the 25th this yes. year. And
1: if you're considering coming to Colorado mm-hmm. to start your level one, and there is a master's degree as well that you can or cannot take, depends mm-hmm. on the path you want to take, definitely get on that uh-huh. soon because those applications are... I'm assuming do, <laughs> if yeah. not already. I mean, it's, I don't think it's too late to sign up for the course, though.
0: No, I don't think so. But
1: definitely look into it. And if you want further information, feel free to email us. Yes.
0: Um, Fort Collins is a lovely place to be in the is. summer. It's so nice. We have a wonderful time. We learn so much. It's just awesome. Yep. Yeah.
1: So now it's time for us to share some high notes and low notes, things that are going well or not so well in the classroom. And there's always both, but we want to focus on one. (laughs) So how about you, Tanya? High or
0: low? Well, (laughs) this is I'm going to be punny here. Um, I have a high that relates to some low notes specifically. Oh, cute. Okay. um, I started recorders with my third graders very recently. And this year, just as a little um, experiment to see how it goes, I am focusing. We we have done B A G, but now I'm focusing on G and low E. Cool. Hence my literal low note, um, because I really wanted to make, uh, I wanted to make use of the right hand. I wanted to avoid that pitfall of one-handed recorder playing that sometimes you right. see, and I wanted to make sure that kids also were not overblowing. So that's why I'm starting low G. Uh, G and E. And we're playing some Somi songs like Rain Rain Go Away and um, there's so many others that we can play. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but my hope was that with that low E, not only are they getting that right hand going, but they're really encouraged to drop that jaw and get that you know air warm and soft and not squeaky. Yeah. Now here's the interesting thing that I've learned um, in the last couple of years, and I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but Squeak's happen more because of not covering finger holes than overblowing. I agree. And I would say about, I don't know, five years ago, it was not the case. Oh. you. Why do you think that is? Um, is? I'll tell you why I think that is. Well, I mean, I think that most of the squeaking, like, say, five years ago, was because kids would overblow. Sure. And so that was the biggest obstacle, is, like, learning how to blow... You know, not. I don't even like to say blow. Yes, yes, exactly. I like to say you know, breathe into your recorder yeah. or, or use the two whisper into your recorder. But um, now it's almost exclusively finger leaks, and I really think it has to do with technology. Because I was thinking about oh. n- not only this, but I still use my smartboard. Uh-huh. And if you've seen my Instagram stories lately, it's I'm still like. Loving the smart board, and yeah. i was showing some things on the smart board. But when I have students come up to the smart board and manipulate stuff, um, they are, many of them, I really have to remind them to use a knuckle or I have to use a tennis ball. Oh, they're
1: not putting enough pressure. They're not
0: putting enough pressure. And I was thinking about how mm. smartphones and tablets and all of these things, Chromebooks, all these things that they're using require, like, barely any pressure. That's true. To move things around. So I really think that they are not... Like, they, they're they not used to using pressure from their fingertips, like, in any part of their lives.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, isn't it? I haven't put that together. I have also noticed a lot of squeaks, and I always remind my students that, you know, after just a couple minutes of playing, Mm -hmm. you should be able to see that indentation. Yes, I call call them finger warts. I call them full moons. Oh, yeah, we call them finger warts. Or Cheerios. And I say, don't worry, your warts will go away, you know. But, (laughs) you know, so it's cute because then every time we play, they always stop, and then they look at their fingers, and they compare who has, you know, more clear And I was like, but if it hurts, you're doing it too much because I get that too, But then they start squeezing so much. They're like, ow. I'm like like well then no
0: you don't well i mean and that's what learning that. something you know learning yeah, exactly. instruments all about It's like you you do it too much do it too little you yeah. figure it out so um yeah going low e i have several of them who are getting it and that's cool. and it's sounding really good and now um I, I feel confident that when we add back B and A, mm-hmm. that they're still going to have this nice air pressure, That's and also be able to to cover those holes. So, yeah, I, I almost put it out on Instagram a little poll to see. Maybe I'll still do that. What people start what, with. Well, what people start with, and why do you think mm. um, the pressure on the holes is a thing? That's, I mean. Yeah, I
1: did not really. I don't it to have any research to to
0: back up back it up. It's just my
1: your own informal.
0: My uh, anecdotal
1: ah, experience.
0: So, what about you? High cool. or low?
1: Um, I'm gonna share a general high. Um, I am really blessed at my school because of the way our schedule worked out. I get to see my kids a lot. I so know. So my it's primary, awesome. well, my primary kids, I see them kinder first and second. I see them for a half hour each, but I see them either three or four times a week.
0: That's so cool. Depending
1: on the week, obviously. And then my older students, three through six, I see them for an hour. Um, once or twice a week so you know the math is the same if you work it out but um Tanya and I were talking off mic before this just about kind of kindergarten stuff and I was just sharing that I've just been really thrilled to see how far I've been able to get with my kindergartners how much more comfortable they are singing moving and just being in the music room in general and just how their skills um, and conceptual knowledge is so much deeper than I've seen in years past and it just all goes back to the amount of times we see our kids you mm-hmm. know I feel like you know that's such a battle that we all fight all the time and I've just been lucky that I didn't have to fight that battle this year in fact I have these kids more than I think is normal and mm-hmm. um, and it's having to keep me on my toes when it comes to lesson planning. I'm having to plan a lot more often because yeah, I that's see a them good more problem. often. <laughs> but it's a lot of repetition in kindergarten, obviously. You right. know, we're not doing a whole new lesson every time I see them. We're bringing back a lot of, of course. things. Maybe doing one or two new things, and then it obviously rotates. But anyways, I've just been really happy, and it's not anything that I'm doing differently. It's just the fact that I'm seeing them more, and just that speaks to the power of, you know, having Frequency. to advocate mm-hmm. for ourselves and really make sure administrators and those people who make those schedules understand and wow. then if you have yeah. the ability to get on that schedule making team like I always make sure whatever team it is in my building whether it's the leadership team or this year it's it's called the Leadership advisory team is like the schedule making team. I'm always on that schedule making team. Make sure somebody from your your specials group or your amp group, whatever you call yourselves, is on that team because it's huge. And if you have a voice in that conversation, who knows? You might get to see your kids more. Yes, which is
0: awesome. So yes.
1: I'm just happy. I'm happy in kindergarten right now.
0: Excellent. And it's time for our main theme, which is student and teacher resilience. And um, I need to put a shout out for episode number thirty-four, yeah, which uh, was this time last year, almost exactly,
1: <laughs> which speaks to what we're talking about today. Exactly, February
0: <laughs> is is typically tough. a tough, a tough time, yeah. a tough month for students and teachers. And our episode number thirty-four, which is just simply titled resilience is a little bit more focused on teacher resilience. Right. Uh, We're going to really talk a lot about student and teacher resilience in the classroom yeah. as opposed to out of the classroom. And this really today. comes
1: from, you know, there's there's kind of two things I think about this time of year that uh, work against us. Um, testing. There's yes. a lot of testing this time of year where kids are just sitting and testing, 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 and uh, they get stressed about it. Mm-hmm. And then also weather, depending on where you live. But um, for many of us, uh, weather is a factor this time of year, you know, kind of You know, seasonal depression is a real thing. But on a simpler level, I mean, kids, there's a lot of inside recess. Kids aren't getting as much outdoor time. The days are shorter. Mm -hmm. All of those things lead to um, kids just needing to do a little bit more moving and grooving. Yes. um, what are some things that we can do knowing this um, to set ourselves up for success? Yeah, So we're not working against it. We understand it's there. We acknowledge it's there. And then what are some things we can do to help our students get through it and help exactly. ourselves get through it?
0: So we're just going to touch on a few things uh-huh. that have worked for for me and I know has worked for Carrie. Things that that uh, are better to do this time, like maybe you want to do a little bit more of this time of year. Right. Uh, just understanding that kids are coming to you with a lot of stress, and you're as well yeah. stressed. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I wanted to open with some mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Um. I have done mindfulness in the classroom for for a while now but to be honest this past year I have not done nearly as much mindfulness it has not been consistent Okay. and a lot of that is due to being a traveling teacher now and having such huge classes yeah. that I've noticed with the more kids I have in the room the more time it takes to do all of our activities, and therefore I'm kind of freaking out about, like, I don't have the time. Now, the interesting thing, of course, that I know and I always relearn is that, well, if you don't take the time, then you really are not going to be having quality time to get the classroom things done. Right. Right. So your lesson just suffers because of it. If the kids are not in a space to learn, if they're not in a mindset to learn, then um, it's just miserable for everybody. Right. So uh, I was reminded of this this past week because, like I said, I haven't been doing it on a regular basis, but with my second graders specifically, um, I said to myself last week, I'm going to do it with the second graders, and I'm going to start making it an every-time thing, even though there's 33 kids in the room. And I fully anticipated that when we did our mindful minutes at the very beginning of class, and it's only like two or three minutes, that I was going to have a lot of pushback, that I was going to have several students who were going to still distract us mm-hmm. and that were going to fight me on it. Be like, silly. Be silly. And, yeah. and you know, I, it's, it's good to know that when you keep doing something like that, that the silliness eventually goes away. Sure. But you have to know that when you first do it, that you're going to get some of that. Yeah. Yeah. And the kids... Interestingly enough, the kids who are the most fidgety and the mo- and the least willing to do it are the kids who most need it. Uh huh. Um, but when I did this with my second graders this past week, it—I hate to say anything as a panacea because you know there's not one magic bullet. But for this speci- specific lesson on this specific day, oh my goodness, it made a world of difference. That's awesome. It was the most successful lesson I've had with them in a few weeks.
1: So can you answer two questions? One, what specifically did you did? Mm-hmm. Did you did? Did you do? I'm did curious do? what you did for those two minutes you mentioned and uh-huh. then how you thought it affected them throughout the whole lesson. Did you refer back to the mindful stuff throughout the lesson or did it just kind of have an overall calming effect? Okay. So two
0: questions. Uh, I'm going to answer it in reverse order. Okay. Um, It had an overall calming effect and it focused them. Okay. And I did not refer to it Again, during Mm -hmm. the whole lesson. Um, And what I did specifically is um, I call this one follow the sound Mm -hmm. where they just sit quietly. I give them the option for laying down. You know, that's a choice. And depending on how much room you have. And um, we focus on our breath for a couple of breaths. But then I use two hand chimes and I just say, I'm going to play the hand chime. Your job is to follow the sound just with your mind until it is totally gone, and then put a hand on your stomach to show that you think the sound is completely gone now. Oh. So I did that, and I played... Um, I did two different tones, mm-hmm. you know, two different times. And what I like about this one is it's a lot. it's a lot more concrete than just having kids focus on their breath. Because yeah. when you're saying, here comes a sound, follow it with your mind. I mean, even as an adult... I'm more apt to focus on that, yes, because it's a thing that's not happening all the time. I'm well, breathing all the time, and so it's it's a little more challenging. Ve-
1: that focus. specifically feels so organic too, because it's music and listening exactly. related. So exactly. the kids aren't going to go, "Why are we doing this?" Right. You know, because I mean, it's it's music. Mm -hmm. Um, can I ask another very specific question? Yeah. So I know you do the whole greeting your kids at the door and then they typically come in and you've been having some sort of video, either something for them to watch or a video of you Mm -hmm. leading them through a song. Did you still do that piece? I did. And so then after they did like their opening activities and songs, then you moved into the mindfulness. Yes. Okay. So how
0: it worked is I have been recording myself very, um, I've been doing it on a regular basis yeah. where I'm leading them in song right. through the video yeah. and they're coming in and I greet them and they're following me with like sordida this week sordida rida rida and then they sit down and I did some echoing on some solfège real quick maybe like three different melodic patterns and then I said, now we're going to do some mindful minutes, and this is what it looks like. And then we went right into it. Yeah. So all of this happened within the first eh, five to seven minutes. It's a little longer because I have so many students coming in that right. I have to meet and greet. Yeah. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why I got away from the mindfulness is that making the decision to meet and greet every student as they come in the door Plus, I want to start with singing. Plus, I want to make sure we've, you know, oh, right. this is the high focus time. So we want to make sure we get some literacy things going. Like, you can't start with all, all the, the things.
1: things. You have to make a choice. You have to
0: make a choice. And that's kind of why I got away from it. Yeah. But um, especially for this particular grade, I, I'm in until the end of the school year. We're going to be doing it just like this. Yeah. Um, so, so you
1: think you'll be incorporating it more into other grades as well?
0: Ah, uh, definitely. Just because
1: you've had that reminder of how effective it is.
0: I I will. I, ha- I will tell you. I have not done it with my other schools: sixth graders and seventh graders and eighth graders, middle school kids. Yeah,
1: I'd be curious how that goes. Yeah, I'm. I'm a, try it.
0: I'm a tad nervous, but then again with with them, with anything. You just got to jump in with both feet. Right.
1: And I always feel like with my older kids, anytime I get it in my head, they're going to hate something and I do it anyways, they end up loving it. And the things that I think they're going to love, they don't love. So it, and it depends on the day. Some days they like something and the next day they don't. So it's like whatever. Exactly. I'm doing this because I know it's good for them, not because yeah. of how I think they're going to react. But Exactly. Let us know how it goes. I
0: will totally let you know. Okay. Well, something
1: I want to speak to that's kind of related to mindfulness that I find myself really being cognizant of this time of year is the restorative practices piece yes um again just establishing that warm welcoming tone um in the music room and then if something does go awry um that you take the time to do like a community circle piece yes i don't you know i I do more of that at the beginning of the year like get to know you kind of activities Mm -hmm. but this is the time of year that i find myself doing more um restorative circles and that there's something that's just not going well and it could be something that's music related or not so for example we had a sixth grade class who had a sub and then they came to music and they were all wackadoodle Mm -hmm. because this class in particular has a lot of highly impacted kiddos and they just had a really rough class and throughout the whole class they kept saying things like, adults never listen to us and we never feel like we're heard. And so my student teacher actually was the one working with him and said, you know what, next time I'm going to make sure that I give some time for you guys to be able to share some things that are on your mind. So he kept teaching music that day even though it was a little wonky and then the next day they came in, he had a circle planned with them and Mm -hmm. I got to sit and be a part of it. Um, And we also invited, we have a restorative practices coordinator in our school, we invited her in, but my student teacher led the circle which is really cool to see what a good experience for him yeah I was really loving that he got to do that um and it was really powerful some of the things the kids were saying some kids who I've now had multiple years were saying things that I've never heard them speak to before and Mm. I think part of that is they're comfortable with him as a male role model for them but then also just really feeling like they had the ability to speak to it. Mm-hmm. Um so anyways just kind of keeping those things in mind too if you are a school then you've had some um restorative practices training or even if you haven't, if you want to try to implement things, this is a good time of year to just kind of make sure your students feel like they have a voice and that this this your classroom community, they're a part of that community. Exactly. They're a big part of that community. And
0: and this time of year, like we were saying, can be challenging and it's a good time to remember that you might have to let go of what you had planned out. Cause yes. I had this experience just the other day when I was looking at my longer range plans and I was like, Oh, but we're supposed to be on this and I just want to charge ahead. Right. I just want to put my head down and go, No, nope, we're doing this thing. But taking time yeah. to do a community circle, to do, you know, some kind of activity where we remind students that, you know, we value you I like you, I Mm -hmm. value you, you're part of this community, I want to hear you. I mean, if you don't take the time to do that, they're just going to be fighting you on the learning, right? Exactly.
1: Well, and I also just want to give one shout out before we talk about more specific things, just about consistency and just saying that, while we're saying, yes, take the time and do all of these things, but still, classroom expectations need to remain as consistent as possible. Of course. And that kids are going to feel more at ease the more consistent things are. They might not be able to verbalize that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in a way, they might fight against you on that. But I do find that on those days where the schedule's different, or they've had a sub, or they've had inside recess, when they come in, sometimes I just give a little shout-out to, hey, I know today's been a tough day for you. I can tell you guys are coming in with a little bit of anxiety but just remember I'm still me this is still the music room expectations are the same Mm -hmm. we're gonna have fun and enjoy music together and then I can see that a lot of them just me saying that and reminding them kind of puts them at ease and then now here we go now we're making music right so just trying to keep as many things consistent but also being flexible in the moment of what the kids need it's kind of a give and take
0: yeah and and also it might vary from class to class right you know so you might have say um three fifth-grade classes, and and one of them really needs some extra time like that, but mm-hmm. the other two are just moving right along. Yeah. And that's that's when I get a little freaked out because I just like to look at my plan book and go, do-do-do, here is what we're I'm doing all on everybody. lesson number 43, and yeah. now we are, Yeah.
1: But if you are being a responsive teacher and you're responding to what's in front of you, mm-hmm. sometimes you have to let those lesson plans derail a little bit. Exactly. And just know you'll you'll if that time is worth it in the end.
0: Yeah. Well, to segue into more specific things. Yeah. As we were saying, now is uh, a time to include making sure kids feel a part of the community, but also to include more community-building music-specific activities. So we were going to give some um, talking, to about folk dancing, Uh and stations and centers, and maybe independent projects, and songs and books. Yeah. So
1: those are the big categories. Those are my
0: big categories. So we we can speak to a
1: couple of those more specifically. So folk dancing and movement activities. I mean, obviously, just because they need to move, Mm -hmm. and it's winter, and they're moving less, but also, like you said because it builds that sense of community and it's fun. It I mean, is. kids really enjoy this. I do things. a lot
0: more folk dancing during testing season. Yeah, and testing for in our district happens, and I think across the state happens right after spring break. Yeah, which I think is just—I don't know. I what? I wish it was
1: before. It I used wish it to were be before. before. I think they're trying to give teachers and kids as much time as possible before testing now that it's been pushed to after spring break. I don't know. I really wish it was before in our district.
0: I'm just rolling when when they tell me testing is that's what I write down and that's when we do more folk dancing. Yeah. So did we want to mention some specifics that are a little bit easier to teach and that are always a big hit with kids? Yes.
1: Yep. So um, I'm going to shout out
0: Sashay the Donut. Oh, yes.
1: And, I mean, there is a resource from the New England Folk Dancing, what do they call themselves? New
0: England Folk Dance Masters.
1: Thank you, which is a.k.a. the Amadons. Yes. And the book is literally called Sashay the, the Donut. Donut. But there's lots of great ones in there, but Sashay the Donut is super fun, especially for those larger classes. Um Yeah, that's a really good one.
0: When you do sachet the donut, Uh um, when you actually do the specific move that involves a double circle with kids sacheting in the middle of the. the, Yeah, yeah. So I just want to give a little um, cautionary word about uh, keep your eyes on the students during this dance because as the momentum builds and they get more and more excited, I don't know about anybody else, but my students, they tend to get a little sloppier and a little crazier, and accidents can happen. Yeah,
1: oh yeah, this is where the the consistency piece comes back into play, especially Mm -hmm. about safety. Um, Yeah, if I have kids who are just acting completely ridiculous, they might have to sit out for a couple of rounds. So as
0: kids are going through that that, uh, alleyway Uh in between the two lines, if you have anybody who is... Oh, I'm going to stick an arm out, yes. or I'm going to be a car crash and take uh-huh. people down with me. That could be a problem.
1: I also want to mention, and we'll make we'll link to this in our show notes. There's a really great video that shows this dance from an aerial point of view. Oh, um, that I, I don't show it to the kids before I teach it the first time because I want to teach it through the music and organically. But um, I always end up showing them that that aerial video because sometimes kids just need that visual of what it should look like, and it's also just kind of cool. Like it must have been filmed with a drone or something like that. Um, and it, it's it's outside. Whoever yeah. was, I can't remember the school or, or anything like that, but we'll link to it. It's really cool. Right. It's fun for the kids to see it outside.
0: Um, another one I wanted to mention is also the Amadon's New England Folk Dance Masters. Yep. Uh, Chimes of Dunkirk.
1: And that's also the name of that book. And that's
0: the name of that book. Yeah. And it's one that I like to do with second grade, third grade, but you could really do it on up through 4th grade, 5th grade. Yeah. But it's simple enough that you can teach it pretty quickly and the music is very instructive. It's there's a long a, way set, correct. Yes, it's a long way set and yeah. then you really hear where you clap three times uh-huh. and you stomp three times and then there's a sashay down to the end of the line and this is one of those where we have to remember to move our long way set up yeah, to make sure that we don't start, you know. Yeah. Building on the end and running into walls and stuff.
1: Alabama Gal is also in that same resource. Shards yes. Of Dunkirk, and that's another really great, um, easy long way set.
0: Totally, and um, great for your Cinco. Exactly. Yeah,
1: you can connect it back to literature. Or you can just do it for the fun of it.
0: Exactly. Uh, Sasha. Yep. Is Sasha's one
1: everyone's favorite. Everyone's
0: favorite mixer, Sasha. Yes. yes.
1: And that's um, you can find that and in. in uh sashay the donut but and it's also in Sana Longden's Yeah,
0: I, I like the Sana Longden recording that I she did. has with that yeah. best. Um and along with Sana Longden's stuff, Yesh mm-hmm. is a fantastic. It's my third grader's favorite dance every year. Yeah. And again, that's another one where the the music real you can really hear when they're supposed to be taking two hands of their partner and saying yesh, 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 yes. yesh, yesh. Um, another one of Sana on Longden's is I Love a Rainy Night, which is a long uh, kind of a long way set but it's kind of a line dance thing kind of thing. I you don't, don't like that one? I don't like that one. <laughs>
1: I'm going to be honest and that's just me because it's it's a little line dancey Hokey? country-ish for me which is not...
0: That's about as country as I get Yeah, is the Eddie Rabbit recording.
1: Yeah. It's not my favorite but mm-hmm. that's okay.
0: Um, and then we're we're thinking a lot about folk dancing because we're going to be doing our oak session. Yeah. But I just wanted to mention something that I, I've mentioned in uh, workshops I've done uh, but... Something that I really value about uh, when I teach folk dance is that I think it's very, it's much more powerful f- to teach the students a couple steps and then let them hear the music yes. before you teach the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't, I'm not a big fan of learning an entire dance or teaching an Speaking entire dance without hearing the music. They really need to attach it to the music. I mean, after all... It's about the music, mm-hmm. right? The movement is wonderful, and we're doing form, and we're showing all the phrasing through this, but we need to hear the music before we learn all the steps. Yeah. right. We have
1: to kind of hear what the tempo is going to be, right. what some of those themes are.
0: And there are times when I just say, hey, we're going to learn this dance, first let's listen to the music. I want you to close your eyes and show me the beat on your shoulders or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And that is a fine thing to do. They need to hear the music. Yeah. yeah. And that's good
1: for you too. Yes. And also something that I learned from the Amadons when, they, when they've done presentations is like when you're doing it without the music, still sing those themes yes. as you're doing it. So like Sasha, for example... Instead of just going right, 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 left, 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 both, 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 knees, 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 Mm -hmm. to actually sing right, 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 left, 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 both, 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 knees, knees, knees. I mean, I don't know if I'm anywhere in the right key, but if you can just give them a little bit of what that theme is going to sound like, they're going to remember it better. And then it's so cute when I find that the kids are singing that Mm -hmm. too. So anyways, keep it musical.
0: Yes, keep it musical as much as you possibly can. Yeah. Ah. All so. right,
1: so another thing we can do when things are a little bit, you know, blah, is um, I love to pull in stations and centers. I mean, this is something that I know both of us do throughout the, you know, the school year. Mm-hmm. But this time of year, um, I mean, it just allows students to move around the room. It allows them to work in small groups. It allows them to talk because that's a big part mm-hmm. of it, too, if they've been testing. It allows you
0: to work one-on-one one with some students. Totally. It allows you to differentiate for some kids. Yep. Uh, or it allows your voice
1: to take a break. Yeah. I mean, if you if you have been doing stations and centers all year and you're doing stations and centers that they pretty well know how to do because you've either done a whole group or, you know, it's like a manipulative that you've already introduced to them. Mm-hmm. It kind of runs itself if, if you are, have already been successful with those things. Yeah. And then you can kind of step back and just you can either anchor yourself at a station if you want to assess or work with small groups. Or there's times where I'm just floating around the room. Right. Um, I have
0: done assessments, stations, doing that, uh, the testing station area. But this year I have not done that because of my large classes. Right. And another thing I wanted to mention that if you have large classes – Um, like I have 32, 33, 34 kids in a class, you'll notice that if you break them into five groups, say, Mm because I usually have five stations going on, you have like seven kids. exactly, And that's too many. So what I have been doing is I've been doubling the stations. That's so smart. Right? So if I have a listening station, for example, which I'm always a a big fan of, I will have two boom boxes set up uh-huh. with headphones coming out of them cool. so that I don't have seven kids gathered around one boom box. I have, like, three here and four there. Yeah. Or if I have a smart board activity, I'll have, like, some of them go to the smart board, and then I'll have a laptop. I just get a, a snag a laptop from laptop. someone else that the other part of that group is, is going. So it's essentially I'm not having five groups. Um, I'm having, like, ten. yeah. But, you know, that sounds overwhelming. It's really not. It's just a matter of just having more materials.
1: And that's a great time to include student choice, too, because I might have a a station where there's two different games and they both involve rhythm activities. Like you could have them do a matching activity or fiddlesticks. And I say you get to choose which one you want to play when you're at that station. Um, and another thing I want to give a shout-out to Aileen Miracle, because she's talked about this, and this is something I've been doing as well, is doing choice stations where you set up the stations, but they don't necessarily have to rotate in a particular order or at a certain time point. Um, it's more like go to what you want to go to, do what you want to do, um, clean up when you want to clean up, and go to another one if you want to go to another one.
0: Oh, so they're not timed either? No. Oh, yeah. interesting.
1: Now, I've done this, you know, different ways. I've done it, like, literally just... Just free-for-all, and some kids Do will you spend... say you
0: have to go to no, X station? No, but st- that's
1: what I'm saying. Sometimes, no, I mean, or sometimes there's a certain station where they have to go to at least once throughout the time that they're there. So you can do it right away, or you can do it... So, like, I did this with sixth grade, and there was a guitar practice station, and we literally put an iPad with a timer and said, when you get to that station, set the timer for five minutes and practice for five minutes, and then you can go to any other station. And I was just kind of observing and checking off that kids were going to that station at some point. And about halfway through, I said, oh, these are the kids who still need to go to that guitar station. And my classes are small enough. Again, I'm lucky that I can do that. So there's different ways you can set that up. That's a great idea with the timer, yeah. Make one, like, a worksheet or some sort of assessment. Just say, make sure at some point you go to that because that's something you're turning in for a grade. Okay. whatever. So, again, just allowing for that student choice is really And I have not too. done
0: that. I, I, I wanted to do that, but this year with the big classes is not the time. Yeah. Um. Because... It's well, just yeah. a lot of It's lot a management
1: piece. And this, I, I will honestly say, I've only, I've only done this with fifth grade and sixth grade. Okay. It's kind of something that they have to earn. Well,
0: and it seems like it would be more suitable for second grade on up, like uh, older, yeah. a little bit older. Yeah,
1: I have not done it with... I think I did it once with fourth last year, kind of towards the end of the year. Okay. But like I know this year, my fourth graders probably couldn't handle it. So oh. I just need to know for myself which kids can do it. And then it's kind of like... As they get older, it gives them more agency and more choice. You know, if yeah. I if I throw that at them too early, then we don't have anywhere oh, yeah. to go. Oh, yeah, and
0: they have to have experience doing stations, stations before you yeah. do that.
1: And my younger kids are still very happy because the stations are still engaging and yeah. they're still fun. And I try to incorporate, like I said, some choice within a station where, yes, there's they're rotating through these stations, but at this one station there's two different things they can choose Right. while they're there. So I'm kind of giving them those opportunities. Yeah,
0: you know, I always take a little informal poll at the end of a station's class period and saying, uh, which station was your favorite. And like you alluded to earlier, they always surprise me because I'm like, okay, they're always going to say the smart board station or, but they always tell me, um, there's always variety of which ones yeah. kids like most. I and I always like there's always a station there that I'm like, "Uh, oh, this is a little dull. I wonder how this is going to go." And they like that it's one. Their it's one of their favorites.
1: I will say my straw poll, my informal data has shown me that as years have gone on, the technology stations are less and less appealing. They still enjoy them, mm-hmm. but they love like the manipulative, get your hands on it station. Yeah, like for the first time, I put out, I made like the Lego sets, like with the big Duplo Legos, yeah. where they can create rhythms with them. And we really kind of didn't give them a lot of instruction, other than. You have to read the rhythms as you're going or Mm -hmm. like before you leave that station, you're gonna have to read the rhythm because otherwise they're just gonna build like random things. Yeah. But anyways, the point being like they were so jazzed about that. You know, for them to get their hands on something and me working in a you know, a high poverty area, these are things that maybe my kids don't have at home. Right. So for them to build with Legos was like the coolest thing. That's so cool. They thought that was so cool. Awesome. All right, moving on. Yeah, and this
0: kind of piggybacks on stations and centers Uh is this is a good time if you have any independent type projects um, that you were wanting your class, your students to do. Like Chrome Music Lab is a good example of that. Uh And I've been doing a lot of more independent projects with 7th and 8th graders and 6th graders where they have to go and they have to create a piece of music on Beepbox, or they have to create something on Chrome Music Lab. And so this is kind of a long, uh, well, it's not necessarily a station, but, no, but I just... feel like it's, it's this time where they independently yeah. get to, you know, flesh out something and show their learning through creating something. Totally. And something that I have done recently and that I think I'm going to do from here on out is that with my larger seventh, eighth, and uh, fifth grade classes at one school. I am breaking the class in half, and every single time I see them, um, I'm going to have half of them on Chromebooks doing a project, half of them with me because we're doing alto recorders in fifth grade, grade. and then we'll be starting ukuleles, which I've never done. Oh boy. So uh, I'm sure you'll hear all about that. Um, So I don't have enough instruments right. for these thirty-three, thirty-four kids in the room, so I have. To, this is at a necessity, mm-hmm. and then they all have Chromebooks. That's cool. So this is gonna cut down on on so many problems that I might have with the instruments and with getting everyone focused. Yeah. Um, so I'm just gonna be flip flopping half and half each time I see them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love to do either independent or small group things this time of year again because it gives them chance to talk but you know talk about a thing that they're working on mm-hmm. not just talk for talking' sake um, I do a lot of stuff with seesaw I've referred to that on here um, you know if they're doing maybe a little composition or um, fifth graders we are getting back into recorder as well we did a little bit last year and now we're getting back into it and mm-hmm. I do all of their their testing is on seesaw uh-huh. I just find this time of year kids some kids just really love to like hunker down. Yes, you know, I and mean, yes. again it has to do with the weather and like getting all cozy. It's like they get all cozy with their projects, whether it's on technology or not, and they're just kind of like hunkered down and working. And yes. it's just a lovely thing to see them doing.
0: It's fantastic. And again,
1: if you set it up well, then that kind of gives my voice a break. I don't have to be singing at this time because mm-hmm. you know they're they're working on what they're working on and it's related to what we're doing.
0: Yeah. And you can be available to roam around exactly. and help out. Um I wanted to mention a resource. If you are looking for more project-based uh, technology with specific programs. Katie Wardrobe, mm-hmm. uh, music tech te- teacher. Yeah. She has a blog. She has a podcast as well. Yep. Um, she is just an excellent place, an excellent person to go to because she's always posting more projects you can do. She yeah. breaks down things. Uh, she has specific lessons with, say, Incredibox or with Chrome Music Lab or just kids Watching videos of unusual instruments and reflecting upon that, and right. boy, she's just a wealth of information. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Her so podcast is great. Her podcast is and wonderful.
1: She's she, she calls herself like Midnight Music. Yes, too. I'm sorry, Midnight Music. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the can podcast. Find her in lots of ways.
0: So. We'll put a link, of course. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then finally, we just want to talk about how it's totally okay to do songs children's literature books, again, folk dancing, some of the things just for the joy of beautiful music making. Exactly. That not everything you do has to be tied to a specific concept or a larger learning goal. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's lovely just to sing a song or sing a song to the children with a book or sit there with your ukulele or your dulcimer or whatever and just sing to them. Mm-hmm. Those or moments sing are along
0: so I love bringing my guitar in and having the last five to ten minutes, okay, we're going to sing our favorites, and they're not necessarily, you know, th- songs that have connected to any concept, but we're going to sing the Rattlin' Bog, everybody. Yeah. Or you're going to do this, uh, this is a great time for echo songs. Yes. Right? Where they don't even have to know the song, mm-hmm. and they're just echoing. So singing, making music for the joy of it, playing for the joy of it. Yeah, of course, we're always including that, but maybe a little bit more this time of year. Yeah. yep. it is time for our work smarter not harder teacher tip and Carrie you've got an excellent thing
1: I, I don't know if it's
0: excellent but okay. I've got a thing
1: um, so one thing that I strive to do when I'm sending home any sort of papers letters whatever is have one consistent formatting thing that I keep consistent with every single thing that I send home and specifically what it is and it's so old school because that's where I'm at right now with my life anything that I do a document on Microsoft Word I go into that fancy page border where you can add a border that's like art and Mm -hmm. there's one that's like music like eighth notes. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? So you're talking about
0: formatting so they say oh I see the little border this is from music. The music room. I
1: know it seems like such a small thing but I think you know when as a parent I see it when my daughter comes home with her Friday folder of papers. Mm -hmm. Holy cow there's so much in there. And so I always make sure everything I send home whether it's about a performance choir, buying recorders, anything. Mm -hmm. Every grade and I start it the youngest grade and do it all the way through I always do that cheesy little border. Yeah. So whether you're doing something as simple as that on Microsoft Word or if you're using a fancier program, I know a lot of people are using Canva these days. Uh-huh. It's like a fancier thing that I just have not gotten into. It, yeah, it takes time. Um, but it was funny and I thought of it because I was sending home a, a letter with my students this last week and my student teacher was helping me prepare it and I was like, so now let's go ahead and go into to page border and add that that border and he was uh-huh. like had no idea what I was talking about because uh. of course he's much younger and to me like that was the way to make things fancy that back in the like day. That was clip art but it's still there in Microsoft Word if you do things on Microsoft Word it's not on Google Docs unfortunately but it's in Microsoft Word and again it doesn't matter what it is that you're using Mm -hmm. just something that's like your signature thing exactly that everything you send home it's obvious this is from the music teacher so it's different make sure you read it right So now it's time for our CODA section where we each share either a personal or professional recommendation, something we've been enjoying in or out of the classroom. So Tanya is gonna go first, I think, as she's frantically typing right now. I just
0: realized I didn't remember, um, you know, some things about. Okay. okay, I'm gonna actually drop two things, Anya. Oh,
1: sheesh. Okay. Fine. Okay. Well,
0: no, they're short. I'm just kidding. Just because one I'm, I've enjoyed outside of the music room, and one I've enjoyed inside the music room, okay. and we've kind of gotten away from um, listing specific things for you, the music teacher. That's true. Right. So anyway. Um, there's this movie called About Time, uh-huh. and I saw it in the theater with my husband years ago, and it is now on Netflix. And I was thumbing through Netflix, what's playing now, and I ran across it. And we saw it in the theater, and then we watched it as, as a family yesterday, and it's a Rachel Mc, McAdams uh, movie. And oh, yeah. Bill Niley – is that how we say his name? Uh, he's noticed. the older g- gentleman in there, Dumhall Gleason, who is uh, one of the Weasleys, one of the older Weasleys. Oh, okay. I think he's Bill Weasley. Oh, anyway, okay. So it takes place in England, um, partially in London. Anyway, it's it's looks like a romantic comedy. Yeah. And it's kind of a romantic comedy time traveling thing. Oh. But it's really it's really more more than that. I mean, my whole family watched it, and there's a lot of uh, nice, sentimental takeaways. But it's very entertaining. It's it's amusing. Rachel McAdams is adorable, of course. Of course. Um, so that was just a fun thing to revisit. So, you know, cool. all it says from the creator of Love Actually. So if that's your jam, you might like this mo- movie, About yeah. Time. All Love right. Love Actually. Yeah, it's so you should see favorites. this. Okay. Uh, so, and then my teacher, teacherly thing would be a little video on YouTube called Charlie Parker Played Bebop. So this is a book initially.
1: Yeah, I've seen that book. Yeah,
0: and for um, February, for Black History Month, I've been including more books and music, and this is one of those Mm -hmm. books. But when you look at the book, you know, there's a lot of um, scat Within the pages, like the text is like Bebop, Bebop, Bebop. Mm-hmm. When you look at this video that someone put together called Charlie Parker Played Bebop, it's the book, but it's put to the sound the song Night in Tunisia. Oh, okay. So it fits really well. Cool. And um, I'm, you know, just enamored with it. And so are the kids. Because when I showed the book and I showed the video of the book, it is so funny because the kids will start singing along. I love right? it. So it's just, I love seeing in the hallway kids walking out and Charlie Parker played bebop, Charlie Whoa. Parker played saxophone, you know. Uh, so it's just been a really fun inclusion and I've done it more than once shown this video because the kids have been requesting it.
1: Awesome. Yeah. All right. Mine and yet, what about is, you? Is classroom related. So yeah. I literally just today finally got my hands on this gem of a resource. So this book is First Steps in Global Music by, uh, Dr. by Dr. Karen, Karen Howard, Howard compiled by Dr. Karen Howard. So this goes along with John Fire Robbins materials um, First Steps in Music materials, but you don't have to, you know, have the whole, you know, shebang of materials to to be able to implement this book. Um Dr. Howard is a gem when it comes to all of her research. She's very yes. thorough. She's um,
0: amazing.
1: So, I mean, I literally have just thumbed through it a couple of times, but I'm already recommending it because I already know that it's amazing. And,
0: of course, it has links to recordings it that does. will help you with pronunciation.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, um, yeah, just uh, there's visual things of instruments in there. She's got it Um, organized by region. You know, and, like, immediately she's, she starts with with things from the continent of Africa and talks immediately about how we as educators for many years have been in this habit of calling something an African folk song mm-hmm. and how we need to get away from that. We need to dig in and know where exactly, the what, what country, what region, um, because each one is unique. So, exactly. you know, all of those things that I know. And another Oak plug, mm-hmm. if you are going to Oak, um, Dr. Howard is doing the uh, mini conference yes. on, on Thursday. Thursday. And which I am... Is, it's an extra ticket. It's an extra cost. but if you are available to go you
0: don't want to miss it i dr howard and i had not seen her until last year's oak yep and she's
1: fantastic she's gold
0: like every word out of her mouth is just oh my gosh
1: yeah
0: i'm getting chills i can't wait until the mini conference i
1: know would it be cheesy if i brought my book and asked her to sign it (laughs)
0: I was thinking of the same thing. <laughs> We're going to
1: totally fangirl. I am a total excited. fangirl
0: of Dr. Karen Howard.
1: Yes, we both are. So yeah. anyways, in particular, this resource, um, it's its through GIA Publications, but I think you can get it a few other places. Uh, it's, now. it's now at West. It's now. Okay, cool. Yeah, because, I mean. I saw it at West. Depending on where you get your resources from, you might want variety there. Um, but anyways, it's gold. I'm so excited to dig into this book. Yay. We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Our show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk.
0: If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. Next time, we'll focus on highlights from OAKE 2020 in Portland. Woohoo! And so until next time, this is Tanya and
1: this is Carrie wishing you happy musicing.